Vet bills can be expensive, but Spot Pet Insurance can give you up to 90% cash back on vet bills, so you can worry less about high vet bills. Yep, up to 90% cash back on vet bills for unexpected accidents, illness, and even routine care. And with Spot Pet Insurance plans, you can go to any vet you want in the U.S. or Canada. There's no network you need to stick to, so visit your favorite vet and you can save money on expensive vet bills. That's Spot Pet Insurance. It's no wonder Spot is America's favorite pet insurance. Visit SpotPet.com for a free quote today. For all terms, visit SpotPetIns.com sample-policy. Spot Pet Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produce Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This is an independent ad from Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Today's episode of Who Weekly is brought to you by the CW's new series, Kung Fu, premiering Wednesday, April 7th at 8, 7 central, or you can stream free next day on the CW app. You will drain us. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. This is a headline from page six exclusive. Demi Lovato and Noah Cyrus spark dating rumors after recording together. Okay, that's the headline. Okay. And you scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Here's source A. They're very close and have been hanging out, said one source, who even suggested the pair might have begun a fling. Next paragraph. But a source close to Lovato called the rumor, quote, weird and insisted they're, quote, not dating. (laughs) That's Demi Lovato, right? Like, that's Demi Lovato. To be fair, I also would call that weird. (laughs) Weird. I mean, even though Demi Lovato just came out as pansexual and Mm -hmm. is just, she literally is busy right now Mm -hmm. promoting, essentially, everything she's got going on, which is a documentary but also includes an album, don't forget. That came out today, today, for listeners today. Right. So it's just like, let's not forget that there's a lot of stuff coming out from this documentary that's very sad. But also, don't forget, it's a promotion machine. She's mm-hmm. sell- she's also selling an album. It's the same title. Same title? It's ti- the same title. Name recognition. So it's hard to be like fully, you know, documentary, whatever, and on board with that, obviously, when you know it's also a vehicle for this other thing. Anyways. You watched the documentary, right? You said you, quote, didn't recommend it because it was too sad. I tried to watch it, but it's in like 12 parts on YouTube. It's not one part. It's like multiple parts that get released or whatever. And then the other thing is they're not, this is such a like annoying thing to be grumbly about, but they're not properly labeled in order. So it's hard to know what the order is. Oh, isn't that weird? What do you mean? Like they're not like part one? No, it's like dancing with the devil, like a moment of whatever, or like dancing with the devil, like scary flashes. Like truly, they're not named like part one, part two, part three. They're named like other Reclaiming power. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is a little confusing. And not to be rude, but like I'm dumb. Like I need you to put them in order. Like I don't, and then there's all these clips that are like a clip of a clip, a trailer, like a clip of behind the scenes, a clip of the live version that was like the premiere. like, I'm an idiot. You need to tell oh, me Oh, the episodes the are like 20, uh, 20 minutes each. That's a strange yes. way to do this. I don't so, need to watch it. It's just going to bum me out. Of course it will bum me out. It's incredibly sad. Yeah. And, you know, she's telling a very sad but also very, I'm sure, helpful to a lot of people's story. And she's like really going there. But I'm also kind of like, if you want to make a documentary, like why is it in 20-minute segments <laughs> scattered throughout the web? Like I just don't understand that. Ad dollars? 
I mean, truly, maybe. Is that cynical thing? It's like the more more eyeballs, more viewers, they can say more people watch. I mean, she put out a documentary a few years ago on YouTube as well, Simply Complicated, and it is one video. It is an mm-hmm. hour long one video. So I know it's an annoying thing to have a quibble with, but it is makes it really hard to watch this documentary mm-hmm. when it's in 12 five minute parts. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm exaggerating, but essentially. I'm glad I chose that as the breaking news topic because I feel like <laughs> we had a nice discussion and not my B team, which was birthday suit. Jessie J sends fans wild as she strips completely naked for selfie as she marks her 33rd birthday. Completely naked on her Jesus year. I love that. <laughs> love to hear Jessie J's 33. There's nothing like... Some people I don't want to hear are my age, but I do want to hear that Jesse J is exactly my age. Pretty much exactly okay. my age. Exactly, Lindsay. Exactly isn't okay. two years away. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. I'm exactly your age. Okay. You're it. Lady Gaga it's... is exactly your age. Lady Gaga is not exactly Jay's, my not age. Not Jesse J. Exactly. Not Jesse J. Lady Gaga is my exactly Wait, my age. I love that you called it her Jesus year because the photo really is. Oh, my God. I know the Christian to me is jumping out, but like it looks like she's emerging from a tomb on Easter. Love that. La- Lady Lazarus. It looks like they just rolled the stone away and they were like, Jesus, he's back. <laughs> Wait, look at this. Wait, he wasn't there. They rolled the tomb away and he wasn't there. That's what Easter Lazarus is. Lazarus L. Lazy L. Well, that they call Jesus Jeezy J. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Magdalene did. Jeezy J. Doesn't it look like she's emerging from a tomb? Oh. God, she's great. You are listening to Who's There, a weekly call-in show where we take your questions, comments, and concerns at 619-WHO-THEM. Let's start with this call. Hello, Lindsay and Bobby. I feel like people from Australia, we keep trying to explain this to you, but you need to understand once and for all, we do not care about Lindy Irwin. We don't care about Lindy Irwin. I don't know anyone in Australia who likes Lindy Irwin. We like Steve Irwin, but we just find... Kerry and Bindi, super American, no offense, but like they just don't vibe with us. We don't care about Bindi we don't care about Bindi Owen's baby. She's just like not a thing. Um so yeah. Thanks. Bye. I don't know. I hear you saying that, but I just don't buy it. I just mm, don't I believe it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really just can't take your word for that. I'm I apologize. To the best of my knowledge, you all stand Bindi Irwin, and there's no way I could be convinced otherwise. I hear the words you're saying, <laughs> but all I'm hearing is we stand Bindi Irwin, and we love her and her mother and think that they're cool and great. You know um, the book Contact that we're both reading to prepare for a Patreon episode? Yeah. Uh, there's a scene in both the movie and the book where they're talking about the prime number noise comes in. And Ellie is like, well, if you listen closely, there's another message also in this frequency. You have to tune and get this other message that's layered on there. And it's the footage of Hitler at the Olympics, you know, and then there's also the plants. But I'm hearing her. I'm hearing the top level message, which is like, we don't care about Brindy. Okay, prime numbers. One, three, five, seven, whatever. If you adjust the volume on this call and sort of adjust the frequency sure, and like sure. look at different things we stand bendy we love right. bendy bendy is our queen Bindi is our queen <laughs> <laughs> we care about the baby more Grace important Warrior than steve is the messiah <laughs> crunch crunch <laughs> crunch crunch morris chestnut with like a word with the scientist Morris Chestnut. Thank you. That call made me laugh at one point, like early in the morning when it came in. Then hours later, this call comes in. 
Hi, Lindsay, Bobby. Um, medium time, medium time, my God. I uh, called literally hours ago, like actual hours ago. Um, and I, uh, about Morris Chestnut, um, about the bald man, the bald, the, the sexiest bald man being that, that British man. I want to speak his name. Um, I just feel like I was, I was really rude and aggressive. I'm reflecting on it now. Seems like it was unnecessary. I just felt really passionately that, like, why was Morris Chestnut's name not in the conversation? And, like, he exists. He's alive. He's living and breathing. And yet, William, I said his name and I said I wouldn't. Now I have to go. Um, gosh, I'm really embarrassed by the frequency with which I'm calling and the subject matter. Hanging up now, crunch, crunch. Good form, Belson. Wow. Is Morris Chestnut a sexy bald man? Yes. The point is, most sexy bald men are sexier than Prince William. <laughs> and the study is garbage. The study? You didn't, you, I don't think you mentioned this. We but mentioned the, it. No, but the study was paid for by like a hair replacement company. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they chose Prince William was to get people talking and to be like, he is actually not attractive. This is oh, upsetting. And then they would see that he a not attractive bald man and be like, oh, hair replacement therapy or whatever. That is devious and offensive to bald people. It was like reverse psychology, but like a weird PR fucked up version of it. I know. Also, don't say bald people can can't be sexy anyone can be sexy well that was their implication but i'm glad we went the other way which is like oh like he's not a sexy bald man but there are plenty of sexy bald men including morris chestnut that's so devious morris chestnut who are them oh god to me he's a them speaking of to you he's a them hey Lindsay, bobby not trying to be a hater just a light <laughs> late comment that you have started to run everybody. You them people who I've literally never heard of on a regular basis. And I'm just not that out of touch. Like, yes, I'm a millennial, but I'm not like, I have Gen Z siblings. I'm on TikTok. You're dumbing just people left and right who... I've never heard of in my entire life. So I just feel like you guys should um, raise the them bar a little bit. Okay, love you. Bye. Raise the them bar a little bit. Oh, my God. But here's the thing. Like, people say we who too many people. Also, uh, we get criticism that we who too many people. And now we're getting criticism mm -hmm. that we them too many people. I'm just saying. If the only thems were like Bruce Willis and Julia Roberts, this podcast would get awfully boring is all I'm mm -hmm. saying. Because they're not that fun. Also... Isn't the point to cause some conversation, to cause that call, you know? To be fair to Morris Chestnut, actually, to be not fair to Morris Chestnut, if he did something hooey, I would talk about it. So I guess to me, he's a who. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't think twice about not including him. While mm -hmm. I do feel bad about talking about Demi Lovato because she is so obviously a them. And I went Noah on about her documentary. Not. And Noah Cyrus is not. Okay, but you know what I mean? Like I sometimes we'll talk about something and I'll be like, ooh, that's really like a them who did a hooey thing. Right. Morris Chestnut, if he did a hooey thing, I would talk about it and not think twice. Well, you see, I used Noah Cyrus as the Trojan horse to talk about the yes, them Demi we Lovato. we often do. We often do. Mm -hmm. You find a hooey horse. Trojan horse. The Trojan who? Good reference. You find a Trojan who. To bring in a them conversation if you really want to do it. Trojan who? Right, right. And Demi is in the horse in this scenario. <laughs> you know, she's, she's dancing in with the devil. The horse. Inside the horse. 
why is Ariana Grande going to be a judge on The Voice? Like, it feels like such a hooey thing to do. And she's, like, one of the biggest thems in music. Like, is, is The Voice hooey? Like, when did it stop being hooey? What's happening? I'm, like, I'm mad about this. <laughs> Tits out, Cassiopeia. The Voice is not hooey. Like, I don't really understand that. First of all, look at the lineup. Think about the guest judges. Think about who they've swapped in and out. There's not one mm-hmm. hooey person on that panel at this point. I get the impulse to say that, but the moment you look back at what The Voice has done and the people who put on The Voice, it like completely disproves your point. You know, like Miley Cyrus has done this. Not Kelly only Clarkson's is The Voice this. not hooey, it's literally a them maker. Like Brett, mm-hmm. like Brett Shelton. <laughs> Blake. Shelton. Blake Shelton. <laughs> Blake. Sorry, that's me. That's my brain, not like the fact that he's a who. He's not a who. He's a them. Blake mm-hmm. Shelton was like made of them, basically. I mean, I guess he was already like a country them, but I mean like the show gave him like a weird celebrity personality that he did not have before. Think about it. People like Blake Shelton who hadn't heard of him before The Voice started. Now yeah. he's weirdly like has this kind of specific jokey personality and like this fun relationship, fun, defined fun relationship with Adam Levine, this antagonistic fun relationship that actually made him more of a famous person. The -hmm. voice is a personality maker. That's the problem. Like Ariana Grande, everyone's like, oh, she's so funny. Like this is basically the vehicle to have her show off that personality. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, if there's a lot of, if there's a, if there's a reason why she's t- doing this, it's one, money, and she didn't tour all year, so maybe there's some kind of bill that she needs to pay. That's got to be what it is. It's not even bills. It's like she hasn't been touring. She hasn't had, the, has had these other money-making avenues. The Voice is reportedly paying her between 20 and $25 million. Why wouldn't you accept $25 million to do the easiest job? <laughs> Kelly Clarkson did it, then got her own talk show. Like I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's a direct relationship, but I'm saying it's almost like a proving ground for television personality Mm -hmm. because you can do the music thing but you also can reveal that you're funny it's also you look at the the sister show the show american idol Katy perry was on that show and got a ton of money mariah carey was on that show and got a ton of money huge a-listers go on that show when they are thems in the midst of their themness i would argue though if we were to compare the two American Idol is kind of the washed up version of The Voice, let's be real, just mm-hmm. in terms of like branding. Like American Idol is not it's kind of old. Like even though they keep trying to reinvent it to be new weirdly, even though they're very similar shows, The Voice mm-hmm. is a little bit more new feeling, fresh feeling. They've de- they've definitely done a good job mixing it up to keep it fresh than mm-hmm. Idol. Is anyone winning these shows and going on to any sort of fame? No, it's still the case. No. But the shows themselves, and actually it's kind of unfair, the shows themselves are more of a uh, more of an opportunity for the people who are the judges on it than it is for the contestants, unfortunately. It's like the ugly truth of these shows is that it's not about the contestants. It's never been about the contestants. Sure, mm-hmm. people like seeing these good singers who are good, and I love seeing the heartwarming clips of these singers who are kind of plucked out of obscurity and get their shot at fame. And yeah, they get something out of it, but they don't become Ariana Grande. A, a voice winner, American Idol winner, is a very distinct category of fame. There's definitely a reason why people watch the auditions for these shows and then never watch again. It's definitely yeah. a thing. The date, the, which is what I used to do with American the Idol. ratings dip. They're more fun to watch, and I don't think anyone is as invest. Not everyone, but 
you know, a good amount of people are not as invested in the like singers themselves on the show as they are in just the idea of like the fun auditions of it all because that's when the chairs turn, you know, that's of them when... interacting with the who. Right. Remember The Greatest Showman? Yeah, of course. How do I remember The Greatest Showman? I saw it in theaters with like a clown in the theater. But remember that Rebecca Ferguson sang the best song in The Greatest Showman? Yes, you always And they replaced her audio with a voice singer. So it's Uh like you're known for your voice and you do stuff like that. You don't become a them. You watch the voice not to see who's going to be the next Lauren Allred. You watch the voice to see what Ariana Grande is going to do next. I think the thing is you can make a career, a decent career out of being a singer if you like win the voice or if you're on the voice Mm -hmm. in a significant way. But it is really hard to make the jump to being as famous as the people who are the judges on the voice that's the kind of maybe difference that's whatever but you know what she's getting paid she's she's in the nick jonas spot which was also the miley cyrus spot they have like one chair on the voice where people kind of cycle through just i don't know if um who's gonna be the judges around her like gwen blake and it's kelly john legend and blake are going to be the other ones. Kelly, John Legend, and Blake. Okay. Unless they decide to suddenly say like, oh, you know, Kelly's shooting her show. She can't well, do this. Well, because Kelly's the kind something. of, yeah, she could maybe drop out. But I have to say, I feel like Kelly, it's an easy and very rewarding gig for somebody who's on TV elsewhere to kind of have mm-hmm. both things going on at the same time if they can manage. Yeah. This would be interesting. You know what I like about the voice they all sing together sometimes, and I find that very charming. And kind of aside from Blake, this is a very likable lineup. Yeah, no, I'm looking at it. Yeah, sure. It is. John Legend, sure. Kelly, <laughs> cutie. Ariana Grande is going to be a lot of fun. She's going to be fun. She's going to be fun. And and it's got, how could it not be worth it to them? She's going to get some younger people to watch that show. Mm, for exactly. sure. That's or, what I mean. Sure. Or she's going to get some younger people to watch the YouTube video recaps of them. The like M- official NBC YouTube account. You know, like uh, <laughs> she's going to get them YouTube ad dollars. Yeah, totally. Totally. I agree with you that it's like she really is very, very famous. But I would argue that other people on this panel are equally very, very famous. She just feels a little bit more like youth culture. So it feels like what is she doing when in fact she is going the route that many pop stars would dream of, you know, which is Mm -hmm. taking this very easy, very rewarding and very well-paid TV gig. (laughs) And I also believe that she absolutely would not be doing this if she were touring. Exactly. Exactly. She cannot do some of the things that she would normally be doing. So why not take a check for $25 million? (laughs) Right. And also, if you think about it, it's not like everything is like back to normal and there's like the more things Mm -hmm. feel normalized. But the touring schedules of these artists who play arenas, it's one thing for like an artist who doesn't play an arena to say, oh, we can go, we can do some shows now or we can schedule some shows for the fall. Let's just say that because we don't play arenas. We play. Yeah small clubs or like a small whatever we could do 50 percent capacity ariana grande cannot do that she cannot plan a world tour like at all at this point you know let's put it this way Lindsay and i are gonna see cam long before we're ever gonna see ariana grande (laughs) just (laughs) these big artists just can't say put something on the books for fall 2021 they're saying Mm -hmm. Put something maybe on the books, maybe for spring 2022. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so she knows yeah. that she has this gulf of space at the, like any performer knows mm-hmm. that it's still questionable when an event like her live concert will be happening again. So it tracks. 
a good a good question, but Another it is a demi-moon. little bit of a Trojan horse question. We talked about Ariana Grande for a while, yeah. but it's okay. Who Weekly is brought to you by Squarespace. As usual, we love Squarespace. We love Squarespace. It's the only way we will ever have a website. <laughs> Is Squarespace. You're right. Because it's easy. Because I can update it very fast when things go crazy with tour announcing, which we might have to do relatively soon. Might? Uh, might? Uh, 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 uh. You said, we just came and saw you. I said, well, this is a this is a 365 podcast. We're planning ahead. Everyone's, everyone's doing live shows these days. So all the venues are getting booked up. So we have to book our tour, which is far away pretty soon. But we already know we already know the dates. We're ready to update the website on Squarespace. And we also already know how to put them on the website, which is like half the battle because it's Squarespace. Exactly. And we've done this for a long time and it's very, very easy. We love Squarespace because it's very easy to update things. We love Squarespace because we have a contact form, which is the way most people get in touch with us. Even though we have a very easy to remember email address, which is what's read up to at gmail.com, people would prefer to just use the contact form on Squarespace because Squarespace is easy. And on our website, it's easy to find our press clippings. It's easy to find embeds of the podcast. It's easy to find anything you need to know about our podcast. So go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your website, go to squarespace.com slash who to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. Long time, long time. Hi. Um, Rachel Bilson told Dak Shepard, sorry, that's my cat going to the bathroom, um, told Dak Shepard that she posted this pic of her and Rami Malik when they were in high school. Um, in Sherman Oaks when they went to, uh, like, Broadway or some shit. And um, then he, like, private messaged her and was just like, oh, I'm so freaked out. Um, I'm a very private person. Is Rami Malik a dip? We got to – I never thought I'd say this, but let's roll that clip from Dak Shepard's Armchair Expert podcast. <laughs> We got to go to the source. We got to go, we to, gotta the go to the source. So Rachel Bilson was on Dak Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert. Uh, I love this because she feels like one of those people that's a little too real. And this is a good example of that. And th- she's doing a podcast with Melinda Clark. Is that her name? Yes. An OC yes. rewatch podcast, which you really love to see it where like one of the big <laughs> stars of the original show waits just long enough and is like, fine, I'll fucking rewatch the show and do it. <laughs> I'm sorry, the office ladies are making how much money? I know. Yes, well, I will do this. I think every <laughs> podcast company is sh- is going to these people and saying, if you'd ever be interested in rewatching your show that you're famous for, we would love to have you. They put they write down on a note card and go, this is how much a 60-second <laughs> spot costs on office ladies. And their eyes bulge out of their heads and they're like, get me a mic immediately. So she's doing this podcast. So she's doing a lot of um, press for the podcast and the press like this the armchair expert podcast that i think a lot of people actually do listen to because it is hosted by a celebrity is often picked up by mm-hmm. tabloids and mm-hmm. this is so funny because she posted this photo of her and rami malik because they went to high school together and in her claims they were very close friends and she thought this picture was cute and he was like take it down <laughs> yeah and it was and it was in the lead up to him winning his oscar so it was he was a nominee he was this an was a oscar nominee ago. and she was like I'm so excited for you, Rami. Like, love the gold chain or something. Because he has this, like, big uh, gold chain on. And so she's making fun of his outfit. She says, hey, Rami Malik, where'd you get that gold chain? TBT, Oscar worthy. Don't forget the little people. It's cute. It's cute. They look like, they look like high school friends. They look like normie high school friends. She's so cute. 
Um, here's the clip. And I guess I was just wondering, in high school, what kind of kid was he? Okay, I have a funny story for you. So Rami okay. was a good friend of mine. Like we were all- Oh, this, he was? Yeah, we were the oh. same crew. We did the Crucible together senior year. We were the leads oh. in it together. Like all these things, right? We kind of kept in contact a little bit. So obviously he gets super famous and he's always been extremely talented, a really mm. amazing actor, even in high school. Yeah. He's a phenom. I mean, he really is. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. super talented. I had posted a throwback of us from our senior trip to New York Broadway. We're super like nerdy, like just, you know, it's the dorkiest picture of both of us. But I throw it up because it's funny. And I think it's so important to be able to make fun of yourself. Mm -hmm. And he had like a gold chain. And I'm like, Rami, where'd you get the gold chain? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, I'm just being funny. We were good friends. I don't usually check my DMs on my Instagram, you know, and like maybe a week goes by and I actually look and I have a message from Rami, but it wasn't like, Hey, how are you? Blah, 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 blah. It was like straight to, I would really appreciate if you take that down. I'm a really private person. And I was like, Oh, oh shit. <laughs> okay. okay. Like I get like really hot. I like start sweating and I'm like, <laughs> sure. like all nervous. Like, Oh my God, like what did I do? You know? And cause <laughs> he was like a good friend of mine and it's a funny picture. And Okay, then she goes on and on. Then she says this. I'm friends okay, with sure. his stylist, and she was like, well, it's not a great picture of him. And I was like, okay, yeah, like, I'm so from high school. We were 16. She's clearly so annoyed that even the stylist is like, well, Rachel, you shouldn't have posted it. And she's like, what are you talking about? It's know, a funny photo. But that's the thing. This is the difference between somebody who got their got super famous as, like, a young person on a TV show and has now, like very much grown past that is like I am like kind of not even that much famous not much famous anymore and I'm doing like a podcast and I'm like kind of just like chilling and somebody who's like in the active throes of like Hollywood you know terror <laughs> which is like <laughs> doing Oscar press and having all these people around him stylists whatever publicists etc like mm -hmm. that's the difference I think because I think she's like a little bit more down to earth than clearly he is you know yeah Totally. The funny thing is, this is the this is what we call the Streisand effect, where this, this is photo the, this is the peak Streisand effect. Peak Streisand effect, a photo that I would have never seen. Actually, you had seen this photo because I remember when she put this up and it w did get posted, not it with this funny. information, but it got it was cute because it was like we love when two celebrities are secretly old friends from high school or whatever, and it was posted. But now it's going to be posted again with new information about this. Yeah. So him saying, "Don't do and again, this," it's his fault. And of course, you know he's going to say, reach out to her and say, why'd you talk about it? She's going to get in trouble again. I kind of feel bad for her. She's kind of stupid to do this. What, what drives me crazy, what drives me absolutely crazy about this is that Rami Malek is literally Mr. Robot. This is the most humanizing thing ever about this robot man, right? Like the this cute, charming photo of them when they were young, just actually so, so super excited to be in New York at the theater. Right, right. And that's the thing that he doesn't want people to see. And it's like, Rami, you are so weird. Everyone talks about how weird and how they, how weird you are, how they can't figure he you out. He likes that. He likes that. And here's that. this photo that like brings you down to earth in this very obvious way. And it's the thing you want scrubbed from the internet. It's just like the biggest misunderstanding of the way things work he could have commented like that's not me that's my twin because he has a twin <laughs> who and kind that of looked, funny it would have been funny and it would have been over it would have been done with Ugh. god i hate it speaking of um celebrities dming i have another funny thing that i got oh tipped off god. to that i feel like you'd appreciate that involves a clip from a podcast 
someone tipped me off to listen to this episode of a podcast called So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Have mm-hmm. you heard of this podcast? I've heard of the podcast, yeah. So he, it's like pop culture, general pop culture. We cover, is a little bit of a Venn diagram and what we, what we cover. Anyways, he has guests on and he had a guest on whose name is... Sophie Ross. See, Sophie Ross, who's a comedian. Comedian. She's a comedian, and she tweeted when Addison Ray was on Fallon, she tweeted, this is so embarrassing, which mm-hmm. is true, and basically the general sentiment that everybody had, like literally everybody was like, this is embarrassing. This it's woman is on here doing these TikTok dances that are not hers, that she stole from all these young black creators on the format on TikTok, and actually... The Tonight Show ended up posting all of the links. They ended up crediting all of the dances because oh, they yeah. were kind of like bullied into doing it, which is good. And Addison was like, I want to work with black creators and let's collaborate, which is sort of like too little too late at that point. Basically, she got a DM at like at like night from yeah. Jimmy Fat. Just play the clip. You have to play this clip. Okay, yeah. So first of all, I'm like drunk, little high, <laughs> little crossfaded. So I just like don't even know what's going on at this point. And I see Jimmy Fallon followed me and I was like, cool. Like he could learn a thing or two about comedy. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, like whatever. And then I get high period DM from Jimmy Fallon. Dude, I would flip. I would throw my phone away. Like I would, I get so scared even when anybody, oh, oh. Wait, I want to, I want to pull it up. I want to pull it up so I don't get any details wrong, but that is 1000% how it started. Was Jimmy Fallon DMing me? Hi, period. Oh. <laughs> and nervous. I said, hi, Jimmy, what's up? And he, goes, <laughs> and he goes, could you not be mean to me? Ha, huh? sorry to officially say that, but hate spreads. True. And so he was true. talking about the Addison Ray tweet that I, when I said it was embarrassing. Well, of course. What else do you think? You think he's a friend of Daniel Bernstein? Or I like, what do you, you think he's think, like Kylie Jenner's? I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. I didn't say anything like that mean. Host was like, I'd throw my phone away. And it's like, truly, I would. I would throw my phone in the garbage if I got a hi. Hey, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> the worst, even from a coworker. Hi. Hey, hi. Never start a text with hi. Hi. Just shut up. <laughs> These people who are that, like, people who are that famous, it's a nasty power trip, too, to just, like, follow a comedian and DM them this vaguely strong army thing, even though he was like, be kind, hatefulness spreads. It's like, it's not hateful to allude to the fact that this woman like fucked up, you know? Like, it's not hateful. It's so weird. And also he is a very famous version of she's trying to be a comedian or trying to write TV or doing whatever. I'm not actually sure what she's doing. He kind of used that as a power play. So he's it's, no, like- No, it's, pow- it's, it's a power but move. But that's what it's I'm gross. saying. It's like he he targeted, he didn't just target somebody saying this is embarrassing and they got a lot of retweets because that would have been a different conversation. That would have been everyone too. He targeted somebody <laughs> who is in his industry, who he knew, who he, knew he would embarrass. Mm-hmm. I love that she told the story because I'm like, even though she's like, Jimmy, let's hang out. Like, I'm sorry, da, da, da. Like she kind of bent, she kind of basically was like, sorry, I'm not being mean to you. I'm being mean to Matt Addison. She's embarrassing, which is- exactly true her telling the story is so good because this weird power play manipulative behavior on his part is so much grosser than her quote-unquote cyberbullying addison ray who is on television it's not cyberbullying she's literally on television. no it's not cyberbullying Oof. anyways 
he targeted her a little bit is what I'm trying to yeah, say. It's gross. It's a little gross. It's actually very gross. And like the more I think about it, the angrier I get about it. <laughs> but what's funny is <laughs> like, like you. she's not once again, a lot of people said, oh, the Addison Ray song, it's pretty good. Her performance was pretty fun. What's embarrassing was this specific segment. Okay, Mm -hmm. it is it's a little cringeworthy like it is baseline. Even if you like her, it's a little cringeworthy. That's Mm -hmm. all that people were saying. So it's just like it's crazy to me that this girl still gets somehow the benefit of the doubt. You know, like people are like, this is cringeworthy. But like that song slams. It's like, I don't agree with that. But that's literally (laughs) what people were saying. Like she's still getting praise. Yeah. 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 She still comes out on top. Tale as old as time. Every single thing about this tale as old as time. Truly, 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 truly. I just love that Jimmy's DMing individuals on Twitter. Oh, God. Yucky, yucky. 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 He should quit Twitter like Chrissy Teigen. (laughs) More people should. Might be smart. Hi, um, Jen Shaw uh, from the iconic Real Housewives of Salt Lake City was just charged with money laundering. What is going on? I don't know what's happening. Me indoors. Um, Bye. You don't watch Salt Lake City, do I you? I tried. I tried. You tried. But I do love this this cr- type of crime. I mean. This crime woof. is incredible. It's like the epitome of a housewife's crime, which is like, yeah. it's so lowbrow and it's so scammy. It's not even a highbrow scam, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, uh, and it's a scam filled with receipts. And the worst, least, like, it is not a... There's no sympathy for this crime. Like, no. it is just like a d- gross crime. The way that she is alleged to have carried out this crime is like really repulsive. And the other thing is, don't you feel like this with the housewives and with kind of everyone who's in reality TV, they wouldn't be investigated unless they were literally on TV flaunting wealth. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like you're asking for the police to be like, why is this it woman- It certainly makes it worse. Like, why are people confused about this woman's wealth? It seems like she doesn't have a real job. Anyone who is remotely maybe looking into this at all, if there were any complaints or anything, even of a small amount, that would divert attention to that, right? Yeah. Not the opposite of divert. This would bring yeah. attention to that case. I just feel like, you know, the Erica Jane stuff, the uh, Teresa stuff. Mm-hmm. If you want to become famous, you really need to not have crimes that you're committing or else people <laughs> will probably figure them out. I don't really know how to yeah. say that any more clear, you know? You shouldn't shine a light on your criminal behavior on Bravo. Either just be rich and shady or on TV. Don't be both. Yeah. You can be rich and on TV, just don't also exactly. be a, a exactly. criminal. Exactly. Exactly. So we're talking about The Real House was of Salt Lake City. Again, I didn't watch this. Everyone loved this season when it premiered, right? Mormonism was involved, so that was very of interest to a lot of people. They made it, it made it a little interesting. It's like, oh, these women are talking about the Mormon church. Right. They're talking about the Mormon church and they're talking right. about converting because she was a Mormon, Jen Shaw. And then she was like, you know what? Like the Mormon church has been very terrible to black people in the past. Like I'm going to convert to Islam. And so like she has this interesting relationship to Salt Lake City, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you understand why all these women were cast. Mm-hmm. This this happens this week. She gets arrested for multiple crimes. So, the allegations are uh, wire fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, Ooh, wire and money fraud. laundering. Basically, what she was doing was working in this multi-leveled, multi-layered scheme. They call it the business opportunity scheme in the thing, which involves collecting and creating and selling lead lists. It's like, like Amway. Whenever- yeah, well, it's like when you start a company and and you want to kind of hit the ground running with your company, 
you can buy a lead list. And I was Googling this and a lot of people have problems with lead lists because they can be unreliable. They're really, so really expensive. you buy a list of people's like names and numbers essentially, right? Contact information and information and, about them. Uh, yeah, names and numbers, email addresses, all their demographics. And then you have this sort of like set group of people who are probably likely to respond to whatever your company is, right? Suckers is what you're saying. Suckers. Yes, suckers. And so she's developing these lists and also selling these lists. So she's making money on the selling of these lists, which the best of my knowledge are really expensive. Like if you're starting a company and you want to buy a lead list, depending on the quality of the list, you could be paying a ton of money, right? And it could be risky. And apparently there could be legal complications with even buying lead lists. I was reading about this. It was like, beware of buying lead lists. And so she was not only allegedly selling these lead lists and creating these lead lists, she was working with the people who bought them so that they would be using those lead lists to target these older people, susceptible Mm. people with Mm. business schemes that Mm. were like non-existent. Right. And then the old people would pay them a ton of money and then Jen Shaw would allegedly get a cut of that. I think I'm doing a pretty good job explaining what this is, but that's the wire fraud. Which is, as our friend Amina says, that's her her favorite. favorite (laughs) It's her favorite crime because that's always what they get rich people on. That's the easiest crime to get people on because it involves receipts. It's like, is there Mm -hmm. documentation of X, Y, Z happening? Yes, it's wire fraud. (laughs) Yes. And it says, Shaw and Smith, her assistant, who was on the show... Okay, this guy was on the show and it was like, oh, yeah, this is my assistant. They induced and caused victims, many of whom were over the age of 55, to pay thousands of dollars to obtain so-called coaching and business services. Again, that's vague, I think, by design, which they represented would make the management of the victims' purported online businesses more efficient and or profitable, when in actuality, the services would provide little or no value to the victims' businesses, which were essentially non-existent. It's just crazy to me because it's like... One of the questions you could ask most when you're a housewife is how are you rich? Like how did you make mm-hmm. your money? Like where's the money from or whatever? Because people are genuinely curious. Like right. what type it's of like, rich oh, I you sold are? A company. I or inherited like it. it's we my invented this or our business is yeah. this. Like each housewife has like their own kind of origin story of wealth, whether it be nepotism, whether it be usually it's like my ex-husband who I mm-hmm. am not with anymore, or my current husband. My inheritance. Someone. Right. It's a question you're asked a lot. And so for this person to be like literally doing fraud, but having to ask questions <laughs> multiple times, mm-hmm. a lot a lot of times for how do you make your money? And I'm going to explain it in a, a very vague, weird way is so stupid. It's so it's like asking for it. Like it's unbelievable. That's where this clip that has been making the rounds comes in because on the reunion special for Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Andy Cohen was asking all these viewer questions and most of them were like, wait, Jen, how are you this rich? Wait, Jen, why do you have multiple assistants? We've never understood what you do and yet you have so much money, right? She has this like Shaw Chalet, right? In Aspen or something that everything she does is flaunting money, which is a very housewives thing. And this is what she said to Andy. How'd you get so rich? My background is in direct response marketing for about 20 years. So our company does, you know, advertising. We, we have a platform that helps people acquire customers. So when you're shopping online or on the internet and something pops, we have the algorithm behind why you're getting served that ad. <gasps> so she's explaining part of what the fraud is, which is fascinating. She's literally explaining the fraud. Because she's explaining what lead lists are. Well, do you think that she didn't think it was illegal? Or at least part of it wasn't illegal? And then it got illegal? I, I was watching a lot of clips and interviews with 
other lawyers who were explaining this. And one lawyer, which was the most helpful thing that I saw, a lawyer was explaining that her best defense is to claim that she didn't understand what she was doing was fraud, that she believed that she was actually helping them. The fact that she's vaguely explaining, wrongly explaining leadless on a TV show is crazy to me. It reminded me of the the, the documentary both of us watched recently, Made You Look, about the art fraud, the allegations of art fraud, where the, where the woman's defense was... I always believed they were real. And that's been her sole defense ever since this was brought up. And I kind of feel like that's what Jen Shaw's going to do. But I do feel like in this situation, there might be actual documentation that proves that she knew it wasn't mm. real. The thing with Anne mm-hmm. Friedman and that made you look is they could not find any... <laughs> They could not find any written documentation that that proved that Anne was like, I know this is fake. She mm-hmm. never, ever put that in writing. Maybe she said yeah. it. Maybe, you know, they just couldn't. I think this feels more likely that there is either her or her assistant wrote something, said something, implied something to one of the many people they sold these lists to that what they were doing was bad or fraud. Yeah. The post is also like her ski chalet was rented. So that was rented. She was saying that she owned it, but she was renting it. No better Real Housewives drama than a rich person who is renting X, Y, or Z. <laughs> yeah. You know, they love to point out when a rich person rents. It's like, like why would they rent car, if they're so rich? A house. Yeah. Right. But Jen saw, we didn't really even say who she was because she's one, she's a alleged criminal. There's not a lot out there about her. She's got a full TV show if you want to know who she is. Yeah. Her tagline is, in this town, I'm the queen bee and MVP. She's married to a football coach at the University of Utah, Sharif Shah. She is the first Polynesian woman ever on Real Housewives. The last thing I'll say about this is I saw this tweet, Jay Franchi reports, and it says, The judge set these conditions for Shaw and Smith. Bullet one, commit no federal offense while on release. Bullet two, must appear as required. Bullet three, no travel outside of Utah except to appear in court in New York. Bullet four, no international travel. Bullet five, avoid contact with co-defendants. And bullet six, no engagement in telemarketing. <laughs> They're like, so try not no to more telemarketing, Jen. Try not to telemarket before no more telemarketing, you go to Jen. court. Everybody was like, LOL, because she showed up to court in like some f- these fabulous like thigh-high stiletto boots or whatever. Yeah. I love learning about wire fraud. The more you know. The more you know. The more you know what's illegal and not to do. So good job, everyone. Don't buy any lead lists. Don't buy lead lists, especially from Jen Shaw. We're going to tell you about a new show called Jocular, hosted by ER Fightmaster, whom we've talked about on the podcast before, TN Tran and Katie Kershaw. They're comedians, they're writers, and they're also best friends who are obsessed with women's sports. Kind of like I'm becoming obsessed with women's sports. <laughs> you sort are. Of, kind you of. Are. A little you bit. Are. You are. They're exploring all things queer, trans, and women-focused in the world of sports. And in each episode, they'll cover the latest games, debate pressing issues, and review how they're all really horny for basically everyone in the game. This is every time I talk to someone who's a fan of women's sports, like a genuine fan of women's sports, not like a newbie like me. They're like, horny, 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 horny. I'm horny for all of them. I know. They're always crushing on people in the game. But that's why it's like we need a podcast that's not us to kind of tell us what we're supposed to care about, who we're supposed to care about, who's hot and who's sexy and who we're paying attention to. Yes. And that's what Jocular is for. Friends and experts will join to share their takes on sports ranging from women's basketball to soccer to power slapping. I don't even know what power slapping is, but I'm in. So tune in every Friday for new episodes of Jocular on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts now. Hey, Weekly. Um... Help me out, please. Um, I'm reading this People.com article about Ellie Goulding, and 
she's talking about, I guess, like, announcing that she's pregnant. Um, that's not it, though. Um, People says that, like, so she not only dropped her fourth studio album, Brightest Blue, in July 2020, she'll also be releasing her fitness guide, Calmer, Fitter, Stronger, in September. Is Ellie Goulding, like, a fitness lady? Have a good day. I think he called back and he was like, sorry, crunch, crunch. (laughs) Everyone's a fitness lady in 2021. I just, Anyone can become a fitness lady. Yeah, but Ellie Goulding is especially obtuse. I mean, she truly <laughs> is an enigma. Think about it. She is. There's a really funny profile of her in the Telegraph from last week. And everyone, people, Us Weekly, they all said the same thing. It's like, find out why Ellie Goulding waited 30 weeks to reveal her pregnancy. And the answer is, I needed time to get my head around it. Last year, I released an album and I'd finished writing a book. And the book is what this caller is call- talking about. It's a fitness guide, and it comes out this fall, and it's called Calmer, Fitter, Stronger. She doesn't explain what this book really is about in the profile, but I've seen the cover. Like, you can get the idea. It reminds me of that Kate Hudson book, Pretty Happy. It also reminds me of the Khloe Kardashian, the Stronger, the Khloe Kardashian book that was, like, Stronger, Healthier, whatever. Healthy, Fitter, Stronger, Healthier. Strong looks better naked? Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is like. Because Strong looks better naked. That's what I always say. Whatever. Ellie Goulding is interesting because she obviously has gone through like a fitness thing over the past few years. I think it's been written about so many times. And clearly when you become obsessed with like that lifestyle, you're like, oh, I'm the expert now. So clearly Mm -hmm. it's like just another opportunity to be like, oh, I'm the expert now. I'm going to release a book or an app Mm -hmm. or a thing or whatever. I feel like it's an extension of the wine conversation. Like it's just another and and the just alcohol in general. It's just another way in. This is yeah. just another avenue that has been proven lucrative for these celebrities. Release a book that's vaguely about wellness and fitness and it will sell. Wasn't Ellie Goulding also in tabloids for being like I, when I was pregnant, I like chatted with like Princess Eugenie and like Katy Perry. Like those are my yes, like chat all of friends. this came from the same profile. Oh, okay. And she says she was talking about pregnancy and it's like she understands why pregnant women love talking to other pregnant women finally because there are certain questions that only other pregnant women can answer. And fortunately, she has great friends who have been pregnant in the past and those great friends are Princess Eugenie and Katie Brackets Perry in this profile I love. Brackets Perry. Katie Brackets Perry has been great too. And my manager has gone through pregnancy with me along with both our families and friends, blah, blah, blah. It brings everyone closer together. She's just quite, quite boring. And never forget she married an extremely, extremely, extremely rich Oh, you mean Casper Jopling? Casper Jopling, who is a, there's a part in the profile where she goes, once her baby is born, there will only be a matter of months before she goes on tour in October. We were talking about Ariana Grande not being able to tour in fall 2021. Ellie Goulding can. Right. Although no actual well, also plans because have been her, made. Because her album did like pretty well. She had yeah, some, the last like, one. some hits off of it. Yeah. Although no actual plans have been made, the idea is, she says, quote, the baby will come too. Women make it work. I'm sure I can make it work. The cool. team around me is all female, which massively helps. Casper is going to be freelancing from home for the first few months. So it will just be us and the baby and we'll take he everything as it comes. He better be. I didn't marry a fucking rich ass freelance art person who is not going to be home. I love calling your rich socialite family money husband uh, an at-home freelancer. <laughs> Isn't he like an art He's an art consultant. An art He's consultant. an art Perfect. That's a perfect job for a stay-at-home dad. I Mm -hmm. absolutely love and support it. 
We have to stand. The other, last night we were texting about Ellie Goulding and Bobby was like, I was sure she was some sort of weird nepotism, but turns out she's not. We have to stand. I know. I was like, I always assume. What's the opposite of the nepotism siren? We have to play it. She, she comes off as very privileged in a very like entertainment way like someone in a taylor swift way where it's like from an early age people were like you're gonna become famous and i'm gonna do whatever i can to help you become famous but that couldn't be further from the truth and i did not know that about her and i love i don't know that i necessarily stan her but it was definitely surprising she gives off nepotism energy and it's not again not to be rude but i don't really think it's that she's not a stanable person i don't like Standing Ellie Goulding, it would be maybe a little bit hard. There's not as lot yeah. a lot of stuff to go with here. I guess you would stand her music, but standing versus fanning, we're talking about there's a thick line there, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even there are thin lines between various types of fannings. I mean, just look at Ellen Dakota. The <laughs> thing that I love about Ellie Goulding yeah. is that one of the reasons that I think we can call her a who is that she's such a, uh, to use the word chameleon, like Rita Ora, I think she's, you know, we use phrases like, Oh, she's an actor's actor. She's a she's an artist's musician or whatever. She's a musician's musician. I think she's a producer's musician. I do find her unrecognizable. She's unrecognizable in terms of face and aesthetic. I think that producers like working with her because she's down to do anything. But I also think it's because you're what you're trying to say is she's made lots of different types of music. I think yes. she literally has been the voice, especially during like the the short-lived EDM period where like we were we had all these celebrity producers essentially putting out albums she because didn't she also didn't she also date what's his face Calvin Harris didn't she date Calvin Harris Ellie Goulding they were rumored to be to have been dating but okay, it was never well, whatever so but I think people assume they were because they were seen out and about a lot together but they also worked a lot of songs together she was bait for that type of producer because she was a perfect chameleon type artist for mm-hmm. them but yeah you're mm-hmm. right and now here she is, but that's why she's doing it. Like, what celebrity isn't releasing a fitness book? They're going to sell. I don't want my fitness advice from Ellie Goulding, but I wish her luck. Next call. Dr. Oz, who are them? Crunch, crunch. Unfortunately, Dr. Ugh, Oz, one. we don't have many celebrity doctors, but he is the celebrity doctor. One, two, three. Them. them. Yeah. His show is so weird. Like sometimes I'll be at the gym. Well, not recently, but in times <laughs> past. And his his show will be on mute. You know, one of the many TVs that shows like every single channel. And if you're mm-hmm. there during his time and it's like, it'll be like a picture. It'll be like Dr. Oz and like a giant toenail that's like infected. And it's like he's touching. Like It's just such a weird show. It's like it's WebMD for TV. It's like. What are yeah. these bumps for television? You know, <laughs> like, like if I sit down, will I die for TV? You know, like it's just a weird format. It's medical internet chum for television. Yes. It's like those, it's like the chum that's like this, this world famous doctor says never, never eat, eat this, this one vegetable. One vegetable. <laughs> and it's always like corn will kill you. This fruit will make you die. And it's a really zoomed in photo of like a kumquat. That's like not even really a photo of a kumquat. And he's always giving like pseudoscience wellness claims oxygen. Like he loves, he just lets anyone talk on his show. He doesn't care. Well, he's like the gossip cop of health where he'll be like, does sunscreen cause cancer and the answer is no but it's like he'll drag you there (laughs) until he says no right and what's crazy is that he's like a very 
prestigious doctor outside of that show. Like he works at Columbia. I, I don't know how often. He's probably pretty busy at one point, but he is an he's a practicing doctor. You know, he's not a he's no Dr. Phil or Dr. Uh, these other doctors who are like doctors by just name only. Yeah. Yeah. I find him dangerous. <laughs> it sounds sexy. <laughs> Next call. Yeah, not not in a good way. Not in a good way. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. My boyfriend and I are watching Zombieland right now. We need you to settle a debate. We feel like Jesse Eisenberg and Michael Sarah have the exact same energy, but we can't decide who is the bigger them. And we think they're both them. I think that Michael Sarah is a bigger them, but my boyfriend thinks Jesse Eisenberg is a bigger them. Please, please, please help us. This is breaking my brain. Um, crunch, crunch. Bye. This is such a good observation because if you lined up their kind of IMDb and like what they've contributed otherwise outside, they really do have a parallel-ish type of run. Same type of characters, same type of creative leaps, same type of theater theater dealt they both have kind of gone into theater a little bit i would say michael sarah doesn't have i think the only thing michael sarah doesn't have is a uh is a social network type like really prestige lead role he doesn't have that but apart from that they're really yeah, but similar like juno is like technically not a comedy and yeah but he wasn't the he wasn't really the lead you know he was like the dopey boy like he wasn't i guess you're right i mean i i'm still saying I, they have the exact same energy and jesse is more of like sometimes writes for the new yorker and writes plays mm-hmm. he's a little bit more highbrow than michael at this point even though i think michael is also highbrow like they both also refuse to live in hollywood which is something they have in common i think jesse lives mm-hmm. somewhere maybe in the midwest and Michael, Michael Sarah lives, in, lives Brooklyn. in Brooklyn. Like they both are like kind of these the same vibe, the same energy. You're right to kind of think that. I do think that by a, almost a hair, Michael Sarah's themier. I agree. Just because the stuff that he's been in, aside from the social network again, have been bigger box office and him as a character because of Arrested Development, I think is more of a thing. The fact that Jesse Eisenberg is such a fucking downer like he also he's so Lex serious Luther, didn't, he? didn't he play lex luther somewhere yeah he played lex luther in the uh that's one a, of those superman that's big the that's superman, big whatever yeah he's been i think jesse eisenberg if you tallied all the box office together jesse the... eisenberg movies have made a whole lot more money yeah. but i think that jesse eisenberg is just so he's one of those celebrities who's like i hate this you know and it's like it's not as it's not as fun michael Sarah is also more part of that crew he's got the connection to seth rogue and he's got God, the connection really to, to, to jonah i just feel like mm-hmm. he's more of a this is weird but more of a meme than jesse like Mm-hmm. Like Je- maybe Jesse's characters have memes too, but Michael Sarah has more of a cultural impact. George Michael Bluth is a more impactful <laughs> pop cultural figure than anything Jesse Eisenberg has done. I Even, will say that. Right. Even his version of Mark Zuckerberg, he's Mark Zuckerberg. You know, That's like true. he is Mark Zuckerberg. Michael Sarah is George Michael Bluth. Who is a fictional <laughs> you know, like right. Uh, but they are neck and neck. And would you call them both them's? Michael Sarah's a them, I would say. I guess that means Jesse Eisenberg. I think they're is a both them's. them's. I think they're both them's. Yeah. That's that's fine. I once saw a play that he wrote, Jesse, that he was in. It was interesting. That's all I'll say. Mm. Interesting. Mm, that's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> 
didn't I text you this? I was walking around Brooklyn. I was taking one of my normal little walks. Walking around Brooklyn. Just walking around Brooklyn. Two months ago. It was really too cold to be outside, but it was warmer than it had been in a long time. And we've, the sun was out. So everyone was sitting around. You got to go outside in the cold. And everyone was sitting around. Like more people than would have on any other year were sitting outside eating totally. food. Totally. And I walked by a little sandwich place and I heard a voice and saw a face and was like, immediately. I mean, it was immediately. I was like, is that Michael Sarah? Yeah. And the person had a long beard, like beard and long hair and a hat on. And it I was, was like, that looks like Michael Sarah in a beard and a hat. And then they started talking to their friend again over their sandwich. And I was like, oh, it is Michael Sarah. And then I realized it was my first celeb spotting in like a oh. year. <laughs> and it's Michael Sarah. Michael which Sarah was a little is one disappointing. of those celebs who had specific spots he'd go to. I don't think he goes to them anymore because he used to live in Brooklyn like Heights. And he used to hang out at Montero's and also that bar that's near Montero's that has the turkey sandwiches. What's it called? Mm-hmm. The, yeah, that's where I saw him that one time I was eating a sandwich there. <laughs> Maybe he still goes there. Anyways, he's got like on a Henry or whatever he, on Henry. What's it called? The really tasty. I think yeah. it closed. Turkey really good sandwiches. sandwiches. So I was okay. like, go there for a sandwich. I was like, oh great. Wait, their that's sandwiches where you are went great. For a Michael. Sandwich? So it's someone not, goes. It's their sandwiches are. They were like, no, this was years ago. They were like, their sandwiches are really good, and Michael Sarah's always there. And I went, and the sandwich was really good, and Michael Sarah was there. <laughs> I was no, like, I'm oh, telling cool. you, like the one time I went there, he was there. No, I've been there a few times. Henry Public, Henry. Henry Public. Public. Henry there it Public. is. And are they still to this, open? I hope so. Still open. Oh, good for them. Yeah, they cannot close. They have outdoor dining and limited indoor dining. Great. All right. We love that. So Michael Sarah. A hair themier than Jesse Eisenberg, but they're so close. Mm-hmm, they're so mm-hmm, close. Mm-hmm. Who'd you rather run into? Michael Sarah. Uh, who would yeah. I rather run into? Definitely Michael Sarah. I mean, I think yeah, of both of them both of them wouldn't engage with me, but if, if anyone's more likely to engage with me, it's Michael Sarah. Hi. Is Anthony Mackey a who or a them? I feel like he should be a them because of like Eight Mile and Avengers and the Heart Locker. I'm looking at this big spread and uh, people of him. And it's like, when I see his face, I'm like, oh, that guy. But I can't really know his name too well. Um, like, part of it is because he, like, replaced that other actor, maybe? <laughs> um, anyway, just, um, just, uh, just thoughts. Okay, 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 concentrate. Okay, one, two, three. Yeah. Them. The thing is, I I know I have to agree because of Marvel. I don't think you can. I, I don't. I don't watch this show, but I know that like like I wouldn't want to call Sebastian Stan a them, but I think he is a them because of Marvel. I do feel like Anthony Mackie's a bigger them than Sebastian Stan. Oh, me too. Me too. But I the thing is, I would call them both who's without okay. Marvel. Mm-hmm. But Marvel, I think, just makes it inarguable. This is mm. just—it's just too big. It's—it's mm. it's too big to compete with. Mm. But I think he has very Huey energy. I think he has very like prestige character actor energy to me. Interesting, interesting. But because of Marvel, he automatically becomes a them. Mm-hmm. Here's the question for you: As someone who doesn't, who also doesn't watch a lot of Marvel, I know you watch WandaVision. WandaVision. Is he the Winter Soldier or is he the Falcon? Because it shows the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it's Who? Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie. Oh. Yeah. Is Anthony Mackie the Falcon or the Winter Soldier? This is a pop quiz for you. Wait, I know Sebastian Stan is the Winter Soldier. Of course I know that. He's Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Okay. Yeah, what kind of fucking idiot do you think I he's am? A, he's the Falcon. 
Okay, so the caller also said that he replaced someone. Okay, what kind I of? knew what the caller was talking about. He I replaced don't. someone on a show. Wait, Anthony Mackie did or Sebastian Stan did? Anthony, Anthony Mackie. Mackie replaced another who or a who because Anthony Mackie is, as we've discussed, a them. Anthony Mackie replaced a who, a character actor who, on a Netflix show, sort of like pseudo famously. Okay. Can you name on the show Altered Carbon? Can you name the actor <sighs> he replaced? I can't even name the show. Another pop quiz. Joel Kinnaman. Whoa, okay. I Remember didn't know him? that. Yes. But sort of I... like Alexander Skarsgård, but not. That's him. Mm, but that's isn't Joel Kinnaman Australian? No, he's Swedish. Uh, could have fooled me. Anthony Mackie. Can you name Anthony Mackie's first movie, though? It's sort of iconic. Actually, not sort of. It's incredibly iconic, his first movie. No, I can't name it. Eight Mile. Oh. Oh. Eight oh, Mile. yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Eight Mile. Yeah. Okay, next call. Great Anthony Mackie pop quiz there. Thank you. Hey, Lindsay Bobby. Would you say that Graham Norton is a who or a then in America? Um, I just feel like the YouTube videos are pretty popular of like seeing celebrities, you know, doing their press tour with him. But he's also, you know, the show's not on here. So would love your thoughts. Crunch, crunch. Tough. We're ending with the tough one. And again, okay. now I've got now I've got the fucking the caller who was like in my head who said many. you ever you them too many people. <laughs> Would I have themed Graham Norton before that call? Maybe one, two, three. Them in who? America. Oh, I say who in America. I think them in America. You think who in America? Them in the UK. Mm. I think who in America. I think them in America. I don't like speaking for our British uh, brethren, but I. He's a them there. Are you kidding? He's a them. No, I think he's a them there, but I think he's a who here. And Uh... I think the caller pointed out the reason why the show. You can't watch the show here. We only watch the clips, and that's an actually that's an interesting point where it's like I mean we don't really know him in context. We still see the clips. He still interviews so many American stars and like other stars, and we see the clips. I think it's more of a like, do you recognize this guy? And it's like, oh yeah, he's that British one. Is he gay? Maybe, but I don't. I think that he's that British journalist. Mm. They're asking because he did a Drag Race. He was a Drag Race judge mm. or something. I think people he was people are talking about him. So are we are we going to agree to disagree? You say he's a who? In, you say he's a them in America. I say he's a who in America. I mean, you're kind of like convincing me. I'm kind of on the line. The question is, we always err on who, so really I should, if I'm confused, it should pull me down to who. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, well. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. Who's in America? Our new play. <laughs> Our <laughs> Who's in America? long two-part play. Who's in America? We're done. Thank you for listening to another episode of Who's There, our weekly call-in show. Call in at 619-WHO-THEM to leave questions, comments, and concerns. Support us on Patreon.com slash Who Weekly for twice weekly bonus episodes. Just dropped the drumline commentary. Going to do a call-in show that we do every weekend where you have a special VIP number. In two weeks, we're going to talk about contact for some reason. You never know what you're going to get. Rate reviews on Apple Podcasts. So many ratings came in this past week on an iTunes. Loved it. Excuse me, Apple Podcasts. Loved to read them. Love seeing them. Thank you to Katie and Eric of The Who's for writing the Rita theme song, which plays on our Tuesday episodes. And have a good weekend. Happy April. Bye. Bye. Hey. 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 Morris Chestnut.
Lindsay and Bobby, I am furious. Four minutes and two seconds is how long I listened to Marion Williamson talk about Avatar on the latest episode. I thought it would never end. It felt like 40 years. Crunch, crunch. Hi. Um, so I just called about Marianne Williamson coming on my friend's Dungeons & Dragons podcast while she was running for president and just acting unhinged. And I paused the episode, um, like, right as you started talking about it to call. And then when I hung up, I listened to the to to her talking to James Cameron. And she talked about Israel on my friend's podcast, too. It's like that anecdote of going to Israel. It, she recycles it. Man, Marianne Williamson, what could have been? All right, crunch, crunch. Why? What is wrong with me? All righty, okey-doke. I hate myself. Goodbye. My mom took me into an origins once when I was a kid. She never, ever let me go back in there with her because while she was talking with the associate, I started fooling around with the gumball machine. And since I didn't have any quarters, I thought, oh, I'm just going to play with this lever and nothing will happen. Wrong. All the gumballs came out of the machine and just poured out on the floor, just bouncing everywhere. My mom was so mad at me. She just dragged me out right then and there. Worked up the courage to finally go back one a couple years ago. Orange crunch. Hi, who weekly, medium time, too many times. Um, I've just been thinking about uh, your celebrity signature tattoos because I dated a guy and it's not a signature, but it's relevant to your interests. I dated a guy who had January Jones, the words, tattooed on his body in gothic font. I have terrible taste in them. Crunch, crunch. In college, I taught Chet Hanks how to use an ice cube tray. So I think you're right that he wouldn't know what to do if Rita took him off the phone plan. Crunch, crunch. Coming summer 2021, saw the newest, hottest, vimiest wine, Who They, Rosé. Brought to you by the award-winning podcasters, Lindsay and Bobby. The last year has been tough for everyone, and Lindsay and Bobby know firsthand the stress we all felt in this crazy year. Inspired by Bobby and Lindsay's 2019 trip to Greece, this wine contains 99.8% organic, non-GMO, animal processing ingredients. They may talk about the who's, but this wine will have you feeling like a them with every sip. Coming to Whole Foods this summer, who they, rosé. Today's episode of Who Weekly was brought to you by the CW's new series, Kung Fu, premiering Wednesday, April 7th at 8, 7 central, or you can stream free next day on the CW app.